everyone, and welcome to Dragon Talk. How's it going? I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by... Shelly Mazanoble. As well as two other amazing people. Where? I don't know. What? They're right there. I don't see them. Hi! Hey. Who are you talking to? No longer Mazanoble. This is weird. <laughs> oh, hi! Hi! <laughs> you broke my concentration on my spell, Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We have Mr. Chris Perkins. Hi. And Kate Irwin. Hello. Yay. Uh, so we're going to get to an interview with you guys talking all about Waterdeep Dragon Heist very soon. Uh, but you'll have to bear with uh, Shelly and I as we get through our fun announcements. Oh, yeah. All of the things that D&D is doing. And there is quite a lot. There is quite a lot, but we're going to run through them fast. Uh, so uh, uh, one thing I wanted to get out there for all of you in uh, the world is that Unearthed Arcana is right now live and available for you to playtest uh, on D&D Beyond as well as downloading the PDF from the Wizards website. There's four races that you can try out uh, that will be featured in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, uh, which is on everybody's mind <laughs> yes. right now here in the Wizards office uh, because we're getting it out there very soon. It's going to the printer this week? Uh, um, the week after. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's so, really soon. I feel like you guys just started working on that. <laughs> it's been a long time oh my God. coming. Uh, but getting it up to ship shape form. So four fun races there. So check it out if you can. And then, uh, of course, Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron is available in the DMs Guild and D&D Beyond right now. What is that, you might ask? Uh, what is that? It, well, it is a, <laughs> uh, a PDF uh, that was uh, largely written by uh, Keith uh, Baker, as well as uh, some other folks from the D and D community. Uh, uh, that's all about Eberron, uh, the 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 fifth edition version of Eberron, uh, which was a setting that Keith created. Gosh, was that two thousand two when that contest was, Chris? The, oh, the the contest. I think it was either late 2001 or early 2002. Yeah. Well, actually, it might have been sooner than that because we published the setting in 2003. Right. And we probably had at least, a, if I recall, a year and a half to work on it. So Crazy. So it's almost 15 years at this point. Oh, oh my God, yeah. Which is yeah, crazy to think about. I, rem- yeah. I remember being a fan and being like, oh, this is so exciting. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, so uh, Keith has updated everything for 5th uh, edition, and uh, it's up for you guys to, to go check out and uh, test. It's a huge, super big document, like 170 pages of uh, stuff, including uh, the dragon marks, new races, uh, uh, and uh, all the fun stuff in there. So go check it out if you can. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to kind of hit before we get to, uh, well, our segment and everything is uh, Adventures Outlined is out now. Uh, Todd James coloring book, and my kids are furiously doing oh, crayons and see. pencils all over. His kids. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just right. me and my wife. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's got great uh, images that are uh, uh, line drawings by uh, Todd James, so perfect for, for taking uh, imaginative colors, really. And then on the opposite page, there is text written by Adam Lee, uh, who used to write, I don't know if anybody knows this, but used to write gra- uh, greeting cards. Yes. Uh, information, information, poetry, and things like that. So it's got like that kind of flair on the pages talking about D and D IP and lore, which I get a kick out. I really love that. Are you excited about that book, King? Um, I am. I haven't actually gotten a copy of it yet. So. I haven't either. I blame Nathan on that one. That's oh, I, totally Nathan. Always. Unless it's you. Yeah, wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to blame you, Tito. I've seen copy. Well, now you have to get one, and we're going to like strap you down until you start drawing it. 
<laughs> There's a sticker for it. Yep, there we go. They're Lame blaming me, you guys. Tito. It's 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 part of the hashtag. It is true. <laughs> I shall be blamed. I take full responsibility for not getting Kate for a, a copy. Uh, but I want to see what you would do, what the the fun stuff you do with it. We should have a coloring contest. We really should. I am competing with you. Mm-mm. Oh, I I I mean I'll maybe if we have different win. categories. You're right, you're right. Professional versus amateur. <laughs> <laughs> right. Professional Art- coloring. <laughs> artist and non-artist. Artist and non. I'm going definitely in the non-artist category. That's cool. Well, it's out now, and I can't wait to see uh, people doing it. I think we had a hashtag for it. Now I'm misremembering. Tom, do you remember what what uh, Satine had set aside for a hashtag for that? Go look it up because it was it was good, and we wanted to kind of collect everybody's uh, oh. uh, artwork in one place and 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 share it out as much as we can. So. Uh, that is super cool. I can't wait to see what people do. It's uh, yep. it's out there. Uh, Endless Quest books are coming out uh, September 4th. Uh, you were just saying how uh, there was going to be some some Dungeon Master Quinn. Dungeon Master Quinn. He's, Quinn Quinn the Nut Puncher. He's learning how to do it all from these books. <laughs> he is. Uh, they're great ways to, uh, uh, for all kids of all ages, not just kids, but adults of all ages as well, <laughs> uh, getting into the different uh, classes. So there's four, uh, one for each of the uh, classes in the basic rules. So fighter, rogue, cleric, and wizard. And hopefully your uh, protagonist will not perish very soon. But if they do, turn the page. That's right. Start over. Go backwards. It's fine. It's like a core tenet it's a of really gaming. Good, <laughs> yeah, it's a good lesson for, for future D&D players. Exactly. Or life in general. Or life in general. <laughs> Try yeah. again. Right? <laughs> yes. See, these are life lessons that we all get to learn. Yep. Um, you guys are also working on Waterdeep Dungeon of the Mad Mage, right? Yes. That's correct. Yes. In fact, I pulled Chris away from this just for this very <laughs> mm-hmm. interview as That's he true. was busy working on it. Uh, that comes out in game stores on November 2nd, and uh, it'll be available everywhere on November 13th. What's a, what's a, what's a quick summary of what's in uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage? So it's, it's for levels 5 to 20. It picks up where Waterdeep Dragon Heist leaves off, and it's basically, hey, this is the Forgotten Realm's biggest dungeon, and we show off 23 levels of the dungeon plus <gasps> Skullport, a sort of adjacent a dungeon adjacent location of importance in Undermountain. So uh, basically, if you're looking for a fun, big dungeon crawl where every level of the dungeon is kind of its own little dungeon, mm. um, guess what? That's where it is. Fun times. There's, there's a lot of crazy kooky stuff in the dungeon, too, so people will get a kick out of it. I love seeing the artwork up on the walls for it. It's oh, been yeah. very iconic and weird and <laughs> strange, and uh, yeah. you, you just want to tell stories in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we'll talk more yeah. about that book. We had, we had so many playtesters on this product. More playtesters than we've ever had on any other book previously, other, aside from the core rules. Is that true? Why? Yeah. I know that. Yeah, just, we sent it out to piles and piles of playtesters, and each asked them to playtest a particular level of the dungeon. Oh. And so when you have 23 levels, like, yeah, yeah, and you want you know, 10 to 15 playtest groups doing each level. Have the 23 different levels been explored to this extent before? No. No. Has anyone ever seen all 23 levels of the dungeon before? Well, to be fair, there are actually probably more than 23, but we've hit all the major levels. Okay. So, but the answer to your question is no, it's never been done before. This, so is, a, this is a first. We've done you? some shallow dives, and we've done some, <laughs> like, here's one of the deep levels, here's another of the deep levels, but we've never said, here's all the deep levels. Did you get to just say, level 19? Clowns. <laughs> Nobody's been here before. It's yeah. up to me. And then all the well, playtesters the had to be clowns mage. as well. 
all of the levels at least had like a paragraph describing what they are. Ed, Ed Greenwood had sort of locked down the basics. Oh, sure. So, so Probably like, when he was seven. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when he was seven-year-old Ed sat down and he said, what are the 23 <laughs> levels of the dungeon? And he said, okay, well, this level's going to have clowns. <laughs> That's where the really clouds scary. came from. That makes yeah, total actually, sense. Actually, it was more like this is the ooze level. Oh. And, uh, this I hope is, the ooze level is not like a higher up level. This is the maze. I feel like they would level, level, nine, all level 19. Levels, in a way. There's like the maze level and then there's a level called Arcturia Doom, which is named after a powerful wizard named Arcturia. Doom? Uh, doom, because in the Forgotten Realms, a lair, another word for lair is doom. Oh. Particularly a lich's lair. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit of lore you should know stuck in the It is. Yeah. yeah, right. We talked about yeah. the so, lich's lair. There, there are two levels. Open a tavern. There, there are two doom <laughs> levels of Undermountain. There's Arcturia Doom, which is the 14th level. Oh. And then there's Van Rack Doom, which is the 18th level. All right, so. There's more dooms than you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Double, the, double the doom. Double, double the doom. doom. We're doubling down on doom. It's <laughs> crazy up here. And the yeah. Mad Mage. But we are, yes, it's. And it's not a small book either. It's a large one. Yeah. There's Sounds a lot like in there. it has to be. Uh, so uh, to, to get away from Doom, we're going to talk about hope. Uh, hope. With, with Extra Life <laughs> uh, 2018, uh, we have a whole bunch of stuff going on uh, for that promotion. We've done Extra Life at the D&D for five years, raised, more, I think, more than half a million dollars for the Seattle Children's Hospital. And uh, this year, we are doing that the same. So uh, it'll start off on uh, November 3rd. We will have a whole bunch of streaming games from the office happening. I believe, actually, Bart's in one of them, and Adam is, in, is doing some more, and there's lots of other folks who are doing it here. And then all week long, streamers from all of our uh, programming will be participating, creating That's pages, awesome. raising money, and it's all going to end at... Uh, Game Hole Con in Wisconsin with a whole bunch of live stream games from there as well. That's right. Raising tons of money. Did you create your page yet? I have not created my page you yet. Gotta create, I have to create my page too. Yeah. I haven't done I just yet. found out who's playing in my group at Game Hole Con. Okay, so. cool. Yeah, there are some fun secret people, I think, in your group. I got I, some fun folks. Yeah, yeah, it'll be really cool. Uh, but Mike Merles might be beating you out. He's got some crazy uh, loot that's already available up there. Oh. He was uh, like the champion... Fundraiser yeah, last year. He was, and he's doing the same thing this year where... Uh, he's got a lot more free time than I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's now working on two books coming out. Uh, $2,500 donation, and he'll create your own custom subclass for you alone to use. Uh, and I think that he's limiting those to only four. I'm not sure if they're sold through yet. Oh, but that's not fair. That's pretty great, though. They sold out in a day uh, last year. Uh, as well, uh, 250 bucks, and Mike will create a custom DM screen for you. For me? For you, uh, which is awesome. Uh, so, uh, really? And then, of course, you can also just do a smaller uh, donation for $20, and he'll send you a book plate that he's signed uh, that you can put in any one of your Dungeons & Dragons book as if Mike had signed it. But he just signed the plate. People mm-hmm. love people love book plates. They're book really plates great. are awesome. Um, so yeah, that's just some of the amazing stuff out there. Please join a team if you're interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, at any point during uh, 2018 to raise money for Extra Life. It's super uh, important to fund uh, medical care and uh, fun stuff for kids who are in that thing. So uh, I, I look forward to all of the fun this fall, and uh, oh. it's for a good cause. So Seattle Children's so. Hospital fixed Quinn's busted head. So is that true? I am. I'm going to play this year. This is I'm getting over my fear of playing D&D live. You're going to do it for Quinn? I'm doing it for Quinn's busted I it. head. I love it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do it for your We're busted head. We're doing it for your busted head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. I don't have a, I can't create a subclass for anyone. But I could like. 
For 20 bucks, I'll steal something off your desk and send it to someone. That's great. But see, I mean, we, we get away from the physical uh, 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 fulfillment because it always ends up being so hard. So do something digital. Be like, I will smack Greg I'll in the s- face during a Dragon Talk <laughs> I'll, recording. I'll record hitting Tito in the face. <laughs> see, that's something <laughs> you can do. And then everybody gets the reward for that one. <laughs> I'll take a picture of Chris Perkins when he least expects it. <laughs> <laughs> Eyes caught in headlights. <laughs> That's good stuff. All right, well, let's go to uh, one of our fun <laughs> segments with that. Uh, it'll just be us looking at Chris Bergen's face. There we go. Some <laughs> people would love that. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know, where me, Greg Tito, speaks to folks like Mr. Chris Perkins. Howdy. On all of the bits and bobs of D&D lore for your own fun uh, or stuff. That so you many things, want really. To bring into your game, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 40 plus years of lore to dig into. There's quite a bit. I don't yeah. think we're ever going to get no. through it all. No. Uh, but today's topic is pretty interesting for those of you who are excited about Waterdeep Dragon Heist coming out in game stores on September 7th, and that is the s- walking statues. Very good. Yes. You were going to say standing statues. I was going to. I've been saying yeah. it wrong this yeah. whole time. That's fine. Uh, but, yeah, what, what are the, the, the standing statues? So, the walking statues of Waterdeep are unique to Waterdeep. They are a series of eight statues, each of them roughly 90 feet tall. That's a lot of feet. That have become, yeah. I mean, there's some variance between the two, but that's kind of like the average height. Yeah, but and, that's, I mean, if you think about what like a... And that's a, a, big. Yeah, like a three-story building oh, yeah. is like 40 feet, yes, right? So this yeah. is like tw- three yes. times that. And not all of them are standing perfectly erect, so maybe they don't look quite as big, but... Right, but not they, small. They are eight statues, all unique in their appearance, that sort of are dotted throughout the city of Waterdeep and have become local landmarks. Mm-hmm. But they are no mere statues, of course, because nothing is ever what it seems in D&D. <laughs> the walking statues get their name from the fact that they used to be able to walk around and actually technically still can, most of them. Uh, now, at least one of them is so badly damaged, it probably couldn't walk if it tried. Uh, but the others are basically intact. And what they were or what they are is Waterdeep's sort of ultimate defense mechanism. If everything else goes wrong, the Blackstaff, whoever that may be, the High Wizard of Waterdeep, can make the statues animate and call upon them to defend the city against any possible aggression. I see. The downside is they're 90 feet tall, and in a city they can sometimes step on things, so they really are kind of a last recourse. But they have been activated on more than one occasion in the past. And in the distant past, they were hidden. Oh. A like little known fact. We didn't know that. The, the denizens of Waterdeep didn't know they were so there. So there, there was one that was sort of on display. Uh, and uh, it originally looked sort of like a big tall man. And people were surprised the day it sort of animated and started stomping around. Um, but... The others were hidden in the ethereal plane oh. and could be brought out of the ethereal plane to defend the city when necessary. Cool. And then when their task was done, the Blackstaff could send them back into the ethereal and they would disappear from sight. Got it. Well, <laughs> during the spell plague, 
Mm. That magic, like magic throughout the world, went haywire mm. and basically stranded the statues in Waterdeep. So they, they no longer have a connection to the ethereal plane. So they've, they've essentially been yeah, disconnected from the ethereal plane and sort of been forced and stuck in the city. Um, but they haven't been activated in a century. Mm. And so in the intervening years, people have built structures around and in some cases on top of them. That's cool. So throughout the city, you have yes. these kind of uh, – some, uh, some of these statues are these, reclining. Yeah. There's, there's one that's sort of sitting, crouched, and has like a building in its lap. Another one uh, uh, is basically this beautiful – sculpture of a, of a woman who has is, is reclining on a hillside and there's like gardens all around her so it's really sort of this beautiful scenic structure yeah um, but, but then there are others that are just literally standing erect um, full height um, and you, you, literally, you can't miss them <laughs> you're like they're, they're, these colossi remind you hey oh my god and that's a good uh, uh, comparison, the, the, the Colossus of, yes. of the Ancient Wonders yes. of the World, uh, as well as possibly um, uh, the Statue of Liberty as far as size mm-hmm. and, yep. and scope. Each of them have names, uh, and all of them are discussed in some detail in Waterdeep Dragon Heist. You've got the Godcatcher. Their names are actually quite evocative. Mm. The, the Godcatcher, the Sahugan Humbled, the um, Hawkman. <laughs> Who gave them uh, the names? Was that from the citizens, or was um, that a story that was told? Uh, so by their wizards? their name their names have sort of like a lot of things. They weren't codified at the beginning. People have just sort of called them that, and the, and names stuck. Yeah. After a while, uh, but the Hawkman statue, for instance, looks like a winged hawk-headed humanoid. So that. That's pretty obvious. It's pretty clear. Either right. that or they were yes. Buck Rogers fans. The Honorable Knight looks like an armored knight. So, there, easy name. Pretty descriptive. Um, the Griffin looks like a giant griffin. Oh. Kel Surprise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. Now, the Great Drunkard is funny. This walking statue uh, stopped its last rampage as it approached the market and then fell backward and sat on a building. And so, the way it fell suggested its name in a way. And so, it was a drunkard yeah. falling down. Yeah. Right. Uh, I love that. I love how those names kind of would be uh, passed down. Yeah, over it sort of evolved. And, they came about organically, as opposed to somebody saying, "I I hereby dub the right." Yeah, yeah. They they do feel like almost like a um, like folklorish names yes. for that reason. Yes, but in some cases, people have like carved out inside of them and are now living in the statues. Oh, um, so it would be terribly inconvenient if one of them just suddenly decided to get up and walk around. Right. Yeah. Is that legal uh, within Waterdeep to carve your home inside one of these? Well, these things have been inanimate for long enough now, mm-hmm. generations when you think about it, that uh, it's, it's no longer an issue. And I think, I think the general consensus is Waterdeep is quite capable of defending itself without needing to animate these things again. Mm. Um, maybe it's complacency on their part, yeah. uh, but they feel pretty secure. And so uh, it's, there, are no, there are no laws that prohibit you from um, building on a place if you own that land. Or even hauling it away. I mean, you could break it and haul away. I yeah, guess. in theory. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. They're just, they're just part would of the, the landscape now. Would the Blackstaff be, be angered if you did that? Um, so the current Blackstaff, Vajra Safar, um, hard to say. 
while she would have technically the power to do so, uh, by the way, the power to animate them is through the staff that the black staff traditionally wields. Yeah. Um, I think she, knowing knowing her as I do, <laughs> I I don't think that she feels that they're necessary to Waterdeep's oh. defense. So she'd uh, be fine with between between the city guard defending the walls, the watchful order of magists and protectors, all the wizards in the city, basically, and her own private security force known as Force Gray. I think she's she feels well well and truly equipped to deal with any threats that the the walking statues are relics of a bygone age in her mind. Yeah, those yeah. those jokers in Force Gray uh, yes. should be able to to handle everything. Right. right. Yes. <laughs> But if things truly get dire, then perhaps, yes, she could animate one or more of them. And some are more more easily and safely animated than others. Mm, the, um, griffin. The, the griffin, for instance, is perched on the side of Mount Waterdeep. Uh, it's not near any structures. That one would probably not cause wreak too much havoc were it to start walking or flying, stomping around. I, I don't think it can actually fly. I don't think any of the walking statues can actually propel themselves through the air. Okay, that's good, because they were pretty heavy, right? It's not like yeah, they Yeah, they're, lose... they're made of solid rock, basically, yeah. animated through magic. So uh, there's there's really no magic on Earth that can hold a loft thousand, thousand ton monstrosity. Or, or magic in Faerun, for that example. Yeah. Uh, or if there was, it, that magic has expired. What, uh, so... This begs the question, where did they come from? Where, where were these uh, statues first introduced? Were they, were they always a part of it from Agaron? So they, they are believed to be Agarons. Oh. Um, that this is a defense system that he created. Uh, the one, he was the first one to call them out of the ethereal. And he was the first one to command them in action. So uh, yay, Agaron. Yay. That's, that's some creative mojo power you got there that's why we celebrate him on founders day indeed yes um but that's some of the lore here that's uh you know millennia ago right that's that that's a long time ago yeah so they've been here so the last time the statues stomped around uh so a bunch of the statues appeared very suddenly in the city in the spell plague in 1385 um they mysteriously they went on a rampage, basically uncontrolled, until uh, Tassara Chaldron, who is then the Black Staff. Uh, well, she she actually tried to command them to halt, and they wouldn't. Mm, and because she tried that. to return them to their ethereal domain, and she couldn't. And so, consequently, uh, they eventually just sort of they stopped uh, and fell over and. Um, when that happened, the city basically just said, okay, we'll just build it. We can't move them. They're too too big. So we'll just, they're here now. We'll just deal with, we'll just, they're now part of the, uh, okay. Part, uh, part of the tourism bureau. It, well, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I, I do like that these are these huge monuments uh, yes. that uh, are not monuments, right? Like they're not, mm-hmm. they weren't made per, you know, they, they aren't yeah. made to honor a specific thing or no. event or, or they're just or sort anything. of cyclopean reminders of water deeps might yeah um visitors beware it's pretty fascinating yeah. now what, what why were they unable to be controlled during the spell plague was it because of it was, the severance of the it, the spell plague did all kinds of wacky things to magic um this was just one further example of how horribly magic went awry during that period yeah uh it was it was just 
Just blame it on the spell plague. Blame it on the spell, spell plague. plague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What uh, now? What what event would happen where they would need to be reanimated? Like, wh- where is is your storytelling brain going? That would be such a great threat that the black staff would be forced to to do this. Well, in I would say that if there was uh, like a third troll war. Where you know the, the trolls and creatures like trolls, like ogres and ettins, got all uppity and decided to besiege the city, as they have done at least twice before. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, an army of that magnitude and size might warrant a walking statue or two. If the city came under magical siege by, say, the Red Wizards of Thay, mm. or if the city was attacked by some uh, coastal power, because Waterdeep doesn't really have a navy. Right. At this time? Right. So if we were to be attacked by some coastal power, I could see these things wading out of the harbor to smash boats to smithereens and things like that. If uh, Maztica decided to mount a monumental assault on <laughs> the Sword Coast, as, as we've often jokingly entertained them doing, Ooh. Uh, then uh, perhaps these things would come into play then. Extra planar threats, like if suddenly a bunch of demons were gated into the city, mm. uh, these things would probably be better equipped to deal with it than a lot of others because of the nature of extra planar threats. They can, like, the city guard doesn't have magical weapons for the most part, so you need something on this order to smack them down. There's also the plot device of what happens if somebody steals the black staff right, and obtains through the staff the power to animate the statues. And then suddenly you have a villain who is controlling the statues and basically turning Waterdeep's greatest defense against itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What and what what happens when that happens? I mean, it's about a quest to get that black staff back. Adventurers unite. Yes. uh, At that point, (laughs) at that point in time, you've got the watchful order of mages and protectors, and all the adventurers in the city, basically trying to save people from the 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 stompy magic of the of the walking statues. Yeah. Now, the good thing about walking statues is they've really only got two ways of hurting you. One is to flatten you. Smash. The other is to basically pick up a small building and throw it at you, which they can do. Uh, so, <laughs> but project- not a large building, yeah. only a small building. So that's, that's a little bit. Projectiles. Uh, they have they have a really good range with thrown objects, and they can they can smash you with their fists. But they're they don't fire lasers out of their eyes or anything like that. Oh well, that's that's good. Yeah, we got that going yeah, for us, which yeah. is nice. Uh, are they sentient? But they could <laughs> if the DM wanted them to. <laughs> that's all. Okay. Are they sentient? Barely. Okay. Um, they're pretty much, uh, they do what they're told, what they're commanded to do, and no more. And they so, have no sense of self-preservation. Like a construct? Like a, yes. Like a... Yes. Uh, like, a, like a golem, basically. Got it. That's... Yeah. That's interesting. Now I almost wonder, like, what if, yeah. what if a good person wants to free them? And gives them life like that mm. might even be a, 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 a they've been so unfairly treated. Exactly, people are carving out their insides. It's true. Uh, well, fortunately, the walking statues don't seem to care that we know of. That we know of. But maybe there's this gnashing and wailing of teeth. Do, that... do walking statues have feelings? Do they have <laughs> souls? We don't know. I. But they could be really explored. A DM could certainly go that way. Yeah. <laughs> but I do not recommend it. <laughs> there, there, there could be camp, Waterdavian campaigns. Free the statues. <laughs> Let the statues live their lives. Right. They all cre- create their own uh, society of yes. statues and living above us. 
Yeah. I was just looking at the one statue, the Sword Maiden, which is actually the one that's broken up into pieces. Why is it broken up into pieces? Um, so when it went on a rampage, it got badly attacked. Uh, it, 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 the, the water Davians really went to task on that one. Um, it was stomping around one of the richer districts of the city, so maybe uh, that's what earned the ire. Yeah. Uh, so, so it, it the, fell over and smashed? Uh, well, actually, a lot of damage was done to it uh, by Water Davians basically defending themselves against its rampage. Got it. And then it fell over and broke apart. What is, so that was the shield maiden. What does the god catcher look like? The god catcher is a good one, and we actually have an illustration of this one in the book, which Sweet. is even more lovely. But uh, it's the most famous of the walking statues insofar because it's so dramatic, um, the way it's posed, the way it looks, uh, the fact that it's near the market and a lot of people can see it. Mm. It is a well-muscled but impassive male human with its left leg sunk down to the hip in the street uh, and the result of a spell that actually caused it to sink into the ground partially. Its left hand and right foot press against the ground as if it is trying to pull itself out and its right arm is raised high into the sky, and above it, in its open palm, floats a sphere of stone, and its gaze looks up toward the sphere, and the uh, <laughs> and the uh, the bird droppings on its face have created the appearance of it weeping <laughs> very, from its eyes. Very creative birds. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I think I think it's a pure happenstance accident that that's. I don't think the birds actually intended that effect. So it's essentially like f- falling through the ground, but yeah, reaching but, but up. Reaching up and holding this uh, sphere above it uh, as it's weeping uh, very dynamically. So uh, I'm going to ask you this, although I'd probably know the yeah. answer. How is the and, sphere uh, it floating? Does, it does. It, it is. The sphere is suspended above it. It's not actually in its hand. There's also a tenement built on the Godcatcher, which also carries the name Godcatcher, and it has a landlord uh, named Andra Blackcloak, a uh, sorcerer, rarely seen, um, but uh, she alights from the door carved in the floating sphere, which serves as her home. She and lives in the floating she sphere? She lives in this floating sphere, so it is, it is a sorcerer's abode. Would, that's, I want to live there. <laughs> well, then you're going to have to just kill Miss uh, Andra Blackcloak and take her stuff. That is pretty cool. Yeah. I like the idea of uh, people living in a fantasy city mm-hmm. inside a floating sphere yeah. that floats, I assume, because of magic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. So. Why? Well, when you get to visit Waterdeep uh, September 7th in game stores, uh, flip open to the, uh, what's it called? And en- Kidderon? The Volos Enchiridion. Enchiridion. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And uh, the, section, the section of the book that uh, describes from Volo's point of view the city of Waterdeep. Yeah. And As if he's on a walking tour with you and pointing out things. And that's where the descriptions of the standing statues are? That's correct. I said it wrong again, didn't I? I know. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're either standing or walking or uh, lazing. They would more properly be called these days the standing statues. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. That one concession, yes. Mr. Yes. Perkins. Uh, if people want to ask you more questions about what goes on in Waterdeep, how can they get in touch with you? I am on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. Excellent. Uh, cool. You can follow me. I'm at Greg Tito if you so choose, but I will continue to call the standing <laughs> statues wrong. <laughs> Thank you very much, you guys. We'll be back next week with some more lore. You should know.
Okay, we're back now. Hi. Oh. Uh, hello, Twitch people. How are you today? Uh, we are going to jump right into our interview with these amazing folks about Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Tell us everything. Uh, so, uh, Chris, let's start with you. Waterdeep Dragon Heist, when did the idea come to, in your mind to do this story? The idea actually came into somebody else's mind. I think it was Merle's. Um, uh, you took it. But yes. Inception. Yeah. The, the idea to basically do a city-based adventure. After, after a series of adventures where we've kind of gone everywhere. Yeah. Um, to Chult, all across the north, things like that. Coming back to civilization um, seemed like a good, good thing to do. Yeah. And to sort of show off what a city or urban adventure in 5th edition would look like. Mm-hmm. And so we settled on Waterdeep because it was very it's, – it's big, metropolitan. Lots of things can happen there. It's a great hub for a campaign. And, of course, there's a big-ass dungeon underneath it. Nice. Uh, so – uh, we hit upon pretty early that we would not only deal with the city, but in some respects deal with the dungeon underneath and sort of treat them like companions. Mm-hmm. But for Waterdeep Dragon Heist, we wanted the story to be relatively small in comparison to the world-shaking events that we're accustomed to. And um, and we just thought, okay, well, if we're going to be in a city and we want to sort of show the city off, what kind of story, you know, with a certain amount of intrigue, with a certain amount of action, really kind of is tailor-made for this environment and... Sometime later, uh, I pitched the idea of a heist. And Mike liked it because um, we could play up some of the tropes of like the Italian job and Ocean's Mm. Eleven and and typical heist films and sort of incorporate some of the elements of those into the story. Yeah. Um, And then. About how long ago was that just? That was was three years ago. Three years ago. What? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. That's really cool that there's such like a long mm-hmm. lead time to, yeah. to talking about. Yeah. And then how, when, at what point do you, you start thinking about the interior artwork? I, this is Kate Irwin. Hi, Kate. Hello. Uh, she is an art director here uh, at Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, and you deal mostly with the interior art uh, of our products, right? Correct. Yes. So when did you start hearing about what was being uh, uh, talked about for Dragon Heist? Well, we, we start hearing about it... Um um, more than a year in advance because we're doing we do a, a guide for all of our licensees mm-hmm. um, so that that everybody can kind of get on board with this same story that we're we're presenting to people um, so so bef- and even before that we had a meeting where it was just kind of laid out for us this is this is what the next story is going to be so we get excited about it and can prepare. Um, for that, but then when the book actually happens, um, I would think I was commissioning the art for this around the end of last year. Um, yeah, I we, think st- that we it, started to get I think sketches in November, December yeah. of last year. That makes so, sense. Yeah. Um, so almost a year before it's in the in the hands of the players. That's really cool. And the 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 artwork uh, for Dragon Heist and Waterdeep in general. Is, is a great way to kind of uh, uh, solidify what the visual look of a city is, especially in like the fifth edition era of, of D&D, right? Right. And a lot of that work was done uh, prior t- to me getting anything uh, with Richard Witters and Sean Woods doing the, um, the con- concepting world building. Oh, um, right. But there were other artists that, that, of course, were involved with that uh, concept push as well. 
That's really cool. I remember seeing all the the row houses from the different wards and stuff, right. and mm-hmm. how they would all look. And yeah, that, uh, and doing costuming on the various like the city watch and the city guard and all that kind of stuff, and trying to solidify some of that. Yeah, and kind of reinventing some of the main characters like Jarl Axel. And- mm-hmm. So what's what is that all like though? What does that look like and when you're reinventing something? Like an, a character that people have seen before and now it's a new story and maybe even this is the first time in in an addition that they come up. Mm-hmm. What is that how does how do you do that? Um there's there is a lot that goes into it. There is um with a character like Jarlaxel, there's a lot of lore about him. Right. So um Richard as the owner of um, world building kind of uh, goes through that information and picks and chooses the things that resonate with people, the things that are most most interesting and and um, uh, oh, I'm I don't have the word, um, but the 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 things that that people expect. Right. Like it wouldn't be Jarlaxel without his purple hat or his eye patch, mm-hmm. and then. But then it's like, well, how do we update it for 5th edition? How do we make it cooler? How do we make it um, uh, more interesting and add layers to it? Um, And that's what he and his art team do. Nice. And then so you take that concept art and then uh, 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 figure out a way to get the commission artist to create stuff in that same vein, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And actually, the the Jarlaxle piece is is kind of funny because... um, Tyler Jacobson did a black and white sketch of him, mm-hmm. and and people really responded well to it. And then for um, for like Wiz Kids doing a mini, they needed a color version, so uh, Sean Wood put color to it. And then when we got time for the book, we were like, you know what, we're not showing Charles Axel in here. Maybe we should do this. And so Richard then kind of tightened up that yeah. that sketch. And so that one piece of art actually has three artists' hands in it. Oh, that's cool. Wow. It doesn't usually happen like that. No. But that is rare. Yeah. I like that. Jarlaxle <laughs> is the, the, the son of many fathers. He always he gets the most attention. <laughs> he always demands the, the most resources. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh, so, uh, well, we mentioned Jarlaxle a few times. He's one of the four villains in this storyline, right? Five, technically. Five? Oh, right. Yeah, because one of the, one of the villains is actually a, a married couple. Um, they're, they're a team. But yeah. yes, there's a villain for each season in which the story can take place, or villains, as the case may be. And uh, that wasn't something we, we set upon early. It was only while we were breaking the story and trying to figure out who the villain would be that we decided we were going to go with multiple villains. Mm-hmm. Um, simply to uh, do something we had never done before. Right. We right. had never done an adventure where the DM can pick the villain and the villain you choose sort of determines the season in which the story takes place. Oh, that's I was wondering. Yeah. Do we have to go through all of them to get to the end, but it's you just no. have to choose your own you, adventure. You, yeah, you, yeah, you pick your choose own, villain, your own and villain and you don't have to use the other 3 or the other 3 could come in in sort of a satellite or secondary way. They could even be allies the other ones. Oh. So Yeah, I like the I like the way you've that. set it up because it's it just it reinforces the tapestry of a city, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's never one right. bad guy in mm-hmm. you know, New York City, for example. There's always multiple areas and yeah. factions and you know, even look, looking at Gangs of New York or something like that, there's all these like, different um, competing uh, uh, interests. Yeah, and part of me knew that as people play through the adventure and we're starting to hear about the shared experience of Dragon Heist, 
we're going to hear stories that are slightly different because of the villains that people chose. And I think that's going to be very interesting for people to hear. This is how the adventure played out when our villain was the Xanathar compared to how the adventure played out with you guys where Jarlaxle was the villain. It's kind of like a legacy game. A little bit, yes. Correct. Yeah. Replayability. Replayability. And if you're a DM and you want to run it again, but you don't want to play the same boring villain as last time, you can choose a different one. Yeah. So then if you choose a different one, you have different story hooks and elements Mm -hmm. and things to incorporate into it. Yeah, because each villain villain has a different motive for why they're doing the thing that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the villain you choose also defines several of the threats in the adventure that you meet. So you meet the Xanathar's cronies instead of, you know, Jarlaxle's. Right. Drow operatives. And we talked a lot about this at the uh, stream of many eyes uh, about what the, what the heist was actually about. But mm-hmm. can, can you tell us what? Money. Money. <laughs> yeah. Money, 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 money. Yeah. Good heist is about money. Oh, I should have brought coins so we yeah, could actually have the actual physical. I have some on my oh, desk, yeah. too. That's I know. I, 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 oh, that makes have, sense like, while you were giving out the coins. Yes. That's right. There are all it's these gold the heist. dragons. Didn't even know it. There's a, there's, a, there's a crap ton of gold hidden away in Waterdeep by the previous open lord, and the villains want it for bad reasons, and you want to keep it out of their hands for good reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. there's it's basically the long and short of it. There's a lot of bad things people can do when they have a lot of resources. Yes. And what's funny, uh, at least one of the most entertaining things about writing this adventure was inserting distractions. Mm. Because in a city, there's all these other things going on, of course. You're on this quest to stop these villains from getting the gold, but then this other thing sort of intrudes upon the story. How do you deal with that, and how far does that deflect you off of their path? Or does that become even the new mission? Like maybe, right. like, you know, that exactly. you can just kind of yeah. uh, go there, through that episode. There are episode a lot of distractions and, yeah. um, that kind of insert themselves into the character's business. <laughs> bidness. Bidness. Oh, business. Speaking of bidness, you can actually run a bidness in uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Yeah. What? What can I be? <laughs> What you, can I do? You can be the owner of a tavern. I want that. Yeah. I want Lich's that Lich's Lair. Yeah. 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 Isn't that a good name? That is a good that name. A good name. I mean, you could just call it Doom. But. Doom. <laughs> Shelly's Doom. We're Shelley's going to Doom, doom tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing we ever do every night, Shelly. Doom tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah, yes. but it, it doesn't have to be a tavern, right? It can be anything the characters want. Yes. Um, but to get back on the sort of the four villains thing, one of the, and, and to sort of tie this into... Art is in order to, we not only had to have art for all the villains in the story, but we also wanted to make sure we showed off all of the seasons and how Waterdeep changes from season to season. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways we decided to do that was in some marketing pieces of art that ended up in the book um, that show Waterdeep in each of the four seasons from the point of view of some of Waterdeep's inhabitants, in this case, a trio of... Street urchins. Little rascals. Little rascals. Little rascals playing in the streets of Waterdeep in the various seasons. And that led us to... Um, oh, there they are. There they are. Um, the ragamuffins. See. Whose yes. idea was that to do it in, from showing the, them in all four that seasons? That was my idea. <laughs> was you again. Yes. It always comes back to Chris. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so who, who are our three, three urchins there? What, what, what oh. do we see? Um, there's... There's Jenks with his little uh, toy. His little Albert familiar. familiar. Oh, cute. Um, uh, He's Nat, the wizard. Yes. Uh, Nat is the fighter, yep. right? Yep. And uh, Squidly. He's is... a ranger. <laughs> <laughs> Squidly. <laughs> Squidly. Squidly the tiefling. Yes. Little baby boy oh, tiefling. That's so cool. So yeah. cute. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, what I love about this artwork, though, too, it, it shows what citizens of uh, the city are, not necessarily adventurers, even though they do right. have archetypes that, that map yeah. to, to adventurers. It was important like, to me in the art not to just to show heroes like we always do in our art, but yeah. to sort of get at something that's true about Waterdeep is, you know, children live there. Exactly. And they have lives in Waterdeep just like everybody else does. So let's see them do their thing. Should we go through talking about uh, each one of the seasons? You want to start mm-hmm. with with winter? Mm-hmm. Sure, that makes sure. sense. Yeah, winter. Well, winter, winter is a really is a really fun oh. one. Yes. Yeah. So, um, uh, Shauna Narciso commissioned these pieces. She yeah. worked with Eric Deschamps, um, and so uh, we were trying to um, show each of the villains in the in the image, but we didn't really want the kids to be. Fighting, fighting the villains. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so they're often just suggested obliquely. Um, What's happening in each, yeah. Yeah. Like, for instance, the, the villain of winter is tied to the Zentarum, and the Zentarum use flying snakes as their messengers. So we got a flying snake in the yellow. That ties into the villain. That's gross. <laughs> we don't but. need flying snakes. The world does not need them. Not Um, (laughs) But those are cool because you get again you get to they were having like a snowball fight. Is that Mm -hmm. what was going on? Kind of in the background, just slice of life. Yeah, being kids. This I gotta say probably because I'm weak because I have a kid. But like the thought of like kids in Waterdeep Mm -hmm. now makes me feel like different as an adventurer. Like now, like. The stakes are higher, <laughs> right? Right. Like you never, I never thought about kids being in these places, yeah. and now I know they're there. Yeah. Now I actually do want to yeah. really save Waterdeep. And we liked, we, we liked Eric's art so moved us that when we when we decided we were going to put the pieces in the book, I wanted to make sure that in the course of each, no matter which villain you chose, which story route you're on, mm-hmm. you can actually meet these kids, mm-hmm. oh. and you can interact with them, and they can actually interfere in the story. To a certain kids. extent, as, as they're wont to do. <laughs> so or we, help, or yeah. help the story. It wasn't in our original outline, but we wrote them into the story because of these because of mm-hmm. these pieces that Eric. Wow, did. that's super cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. he literally brought them to life. He did. Yep. Yep. And now, uh, you know, players can bring them to life. Uh, hopefully, very soon. Mm-hmm. You already have, haven't you? Haven't you used them? And in- yes, they they now are uh, <laughs> regular fixtures in my weekly dice camera action game. That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's look at uh, spring. Is the next season time. right? What is what does spring look like? <coughs> nice. Ooh. So this one, obviously, it's the beholder. That one's pretty pretty cut and dried in the springtime. Yep. You can see oh. the little the oh. little sprouts. <laughs> the mm-hmm. little shadow. Are you dying over there? <laughs> <laughs> You're still trying to talk. You're like, oh god, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> the beholder. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's what the Xanathar sounds like in my game now going forward. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Uh, but again, I like that, too, because they're the, you don't get to see the Xanathar wouldn't really show himself, but you could see the shadow of mm-hmm. him yeah. uh, upon these urchins, right? Because they would yeah. at least know that there's some crime syndicate going on, right? <laughs> that would yeah. just be they, weird to see, like, just a beholder just <laughs> floating down the street. Take it. You do All see right. a lot of weird things floating or walking down the streets in Waterdeep, oh, yeah. but a beholder would be a little over the top. But yeah. he's, that we just saw his shadow. Yeah. 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 So, like, if, is it like, like a shark? Like, I've always heard, if you see oh. a shark and you're in the water, it's too late. Like, you're dead. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that's not true. Is that true with a no. beholder? Like, you see him rolling down the street. Depends it's what like, the beholder wants. Well, what does a beholder want? <laughs> he's not. Candy. Yeah. A goldfish. Yeah, yeah. In this case, a gold, maybe he is looking for fish food. Maybe, maybe. Oh. he's looking for yeah. Petco or something. For poor Silver. Maybe. 
Yeah. He's looking for a bad go. <laughs> Where that's the just pets one of, go that's and beholders. One of the businesses. And you can run a beholder. Yes. There you go. That's what I would do. I would run a totally. fish food store so he would keep me alive. <laughs> <laughs> These were all the story hooks are beginning. Yes. It's very cool. Remarkably well-protected fish store. Right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's look at the, what's the fall? Summer. Summer, summer is next. Summer. Why don't am I like a, summer. I don't know what seasons occur <laughs> in what yes, order. we all want summer to end. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, tell us about this one. Um, so, this one has the castle lanterns. I always right. say it like they're lanterns. Like you're holding like up a lantern. lantern. Yeah. Castle lanterns. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. This, she this, just looks like a normal lady. She uh, does. But he knows there's something else going on here. Yeah. She's a villain. And that's Jenks who's... who's yeah. Yeah, Jenks, Jenks is, uh, got, has caught her eye or vice versa. And uh, she's giving him a piece of fruit. Uh-oh. It's a little suspicious. Tempting. Tempting him, looks like, in you a know, way. There's never a bad story better. that happens when you give a, a beautiful-looking yeah. apple to someone. Yeah. It's <laughs> always the best intentions. Yeah. 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 We what know you, that. And uh, if anybody who reads the adventure will know that the crows that are in the scene, there's more to them than meets the eye. Oh. What about the, uh, what about the purple uh, visage behind us, behind them there? Ah, uh, okay. So this scene in the summer is actually set during a festival period called Founders Day, mm. which celebrates historical figures of uh, significance in Waterdeep. So people like uh, Piergaron, Paladin's son, one of the open lords of Waterdeep, is a very famous figure. Agaron, the first uh, Waterdeep open lord and archwizard, is often portrayed. Um, so their visages are kind of suggested. Got it. That makes sense. Uh, yep. And Founders Day is very important for the Castellanders as well. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> they have big plans for Founders Day. It's true. Big evil plans. Did you make up Founders Day or is no, that something that's actually that really? in the lore. Yeah. Uh, a number of festivals play an important role in the stories. Um, in spring, Trolltide does Founders Day in the fall. The Day of Wonders in, sorry, in Founders Day in the summer. Yes. Day of Wonders in the fall. That sounds fun. The Day of Wonders is fun. It's a big parade oh. where the Church of Gond, the Temple of Gond, which is the god of invention, uh, basically releases a bunch of automatons. Oh. And you can see them parade down the street. Mm. <laughs> that doesn't me. sound as fun. Don't you don't like robots? S- don't want to see that either. Mm. <laughs> no, I really don't. It's like itchy and scratchy land. Mm. Yeah, it should be nothing but fun. No, no violence happens then. Okay, uh, but yeah, you it. mentioned the fall. Let's, let's the see fall. The, the, the jarl axle. Oh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so this one happens down at the dock wards. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what? the urchins are playing yeah. there. Yeah, I'm trying playing. to remember what the name of the, the tiefling one is again. Squiggly. 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 Um, he has a beautiful purple hat. I wonder where that came from. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Um, oh, cool. And there's a dead body. Well. That's awesome that you just put the hat in there like that. And uh-huh. That's it. We, that's, that's all, all you need. need to know. Yep. A purple hat and, yep. and a dead body. And, and the, the actual um, the ship in the background is significant as well. Because a lot of what happens in the fall in this story does center around ships. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Do we, I mean, do we, well, maybe we shouldn't give any more. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. There's a lot that goes on there. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Uh, when we uh, start talking about the maps for the product, we can talk a little bit more about ships. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah and actually, uh, 
we brought in a, a newish cartographer for us for, for this product, right? Right. His name is Dyson Logos, and I think that he's worked um, with Chris and the writers previously. Um, I had been familiar with his work, okay. but had never actually worked on a product with him oh. until this one. So, yeah, and actually, same for me. Like I remember being a fan and having like a there was used to be a map generator online that yeah. I mm-hmm. used that was like his had, style. it had like a Dyson tab, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. And then yeah. when he, I started to see uh, what he was doing for this product, I'm like this is amazing. Maps are always interesting to me because um, you can go really super illustrative with them. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they lose a bit of their utility because there's just almost like pieces of art in in like like full color illustrations. And then you can go very very simple and basic, uh, and just sort of keep it clean, and it becomes a very utilitarian yeah. thing that a DM can easily copy or use at the game table. But doesn't have a lot of flavor. Uh, well, it can. Um, it, it sort of depends on the on the nature of what you're illustrating and, and other techniques you can use to bring it alive. But with with this product, we really are taking this is an experiment for us because normally our maps are full the, color. Yeah, the more illustrative maps, yeah. and and we decided for this because um, for this and for um, uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage because. The maps are so important, um, and and there's a lot of uh, a lot of place that you're getting from the art mm-hmm. um, itself. That the maps could be more utilitarian and easier to copy and and mm-hmm. use as the DM would like to use. Yeah. So we're trying that out this time with more more clean and um, concise utilitarian looking maps. They're still lovely. Yeah. They are. That, that's what I really like about uh, uh, Dyson Logos' work is that they are um, works of art, but they feel very clean. They feel mm-hmm. like like the concise word is perfect for that oh. because mm-hmm. it does. Oh, and hey, look, yeah. there's there's a bit of a that's not the, that's uh, oh that's one of the that's one of the ones from Dragon Heist. Yeah, yeah it is. That anyway, that is a ship. Yeah, there we go. But, uh, uh, but like that cross hatching and yes. stuff feels mm-hmm. like it's it's like an artistic touch, but it is really just great visual information for uh, dungeon masters to be like, okay, that's negative space. Yeah. We don't want to think about that. And actually, yeah. in looking at the the printed book. Um, and I think Kate feels the same way that the fact that the maps are in black and white just they they pop yeah really well it sets the them page. apart yeah really from the well art. so if you're looking for a map you can find your maps in your book a lot more easily as well yes that's cool so that map we just saw is one of the maps from the product it's a map of a vessel called the Scarlet Marpanoth Marpanoth what's a Marpanoth Marpanoth is the um, Ferunian equivalent to October. Oh, okay. It's a month. It is a month. Okay. No, there's something else. You look very suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, there might be a movie referred to somewhere. Scarlet. Like the a Scarlet letter? Marpanoth. Like the hunt for red October. Red October. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. The gears just clicked together. That's why he had the mischievous look on his face. But how would a civilian know that Marpanoth is October? Because they would listen to Dragon Talk. Okay. And the Lori should know. Teachable moment. Calendar. Like, really, is there ever, like, is there a dictionary? Like, how does, how would I know that? Yeah. I think it's so. Sword Coast Adventures Guide. There's a list of what the names of all the months are and oh, stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So if you were, you know, yes. could, could read, you might be able to figure oh. it out. 
Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> we, we, do, we, don't, we don't expect the party bard to get the end joke, but we do expect the players around the table to get the end joke. Oh, you do? Yeah. yeah. Shoot. One ping only. I got players. some reading to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love, I, like I said, I love the maps uh, that Dyson has been putting together, and I also want to give a shout-out to Dyson Logos because as far as we can tell, he is the first person to put googly eyes on D&D oh. products. Oh, yes. What? Uh, Seriously? Yes, he did this online where he put his, the googly eyes on, uh, I think it was our player's handbook. It started with them, and then he's been doing because it. of the stream of many eyes. No, we 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 used that motif because oh. we didn't know we couldn't talk about what the product was while having an image that was about it. Oh yeah. So we needed some kind of anchoring thing, and the many eyes and the googly eyes because yeah. kind I of love that. we landed yeah. on that because it was so it was a part of the 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 social media uh, memes yeah, that were going on. So laugh. thank you for that, Dyson, as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as well as all those awesome maps, because I yeah. think they look really cool. So he did all of the maps? He did all of wow, the maps. the interior Seems like a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes, there is a, a poster map, which is very illustrative. Of the city itself. Oh, yes. Correct. Oh, right. cool. Yeah, and that's yeah. done by Jason Engel. Very cool. Yeah, I like that map as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just like it's maps. Beautiful. Yeah, maps are yes. cool. They transport me into into the world so much uh, yeah. uh so much more even just art really. I just I feel like I'm I'm a part of it. It's great. And the, yeah. the poster map of Waterdeep and Dragon Heist is double-sided. One side is player friendly and the other side has some additional information for the DM's eyes only. Oh, <gasps> cool. Locations that the DM would know about, would need to know about, mm-hmm. but the players probably don't know about, at least not at first. That's cool. There's actually a lot of handouts within the, uh, There's a few, yeah, like things on the code legal. Right, we've got we've got a handout of the code legal, which is basically the laws and punishments of Waterdeep, which oh. is a nice little thing the DM can give to the players if they start getting ornery. <laughs> Preemptively, you can give it to them. We have a map of an establishment that the players might end up owning, and we oh, have a handout of individuals that you can meet at the Yawning Portal Tavern who may or may not have useful information for you. And you may or may not be acquainted with. That was a so. was that a fun uh, thing to commission? Well, the um, that art came from a, a few different places. Yeah. Some of it was commissioned, and some of it was done by our on-site uh, staff artists. Mm. So the, the yawning portal one with all the different characters in there. That oh, one. <laughs> well, and that's another thing. Um, so that's Jason Thompson. Um, and oh, really? We just let him. Oh my God, I love him. Go to town with that. Um, he the the key for that is incredible, amazing. Yeah, we just we told um, him in the style of the other maps that he's done for our website, the sort of um, isometric uh, cross view. Right. Uh, render the yawning portal tavern and put as many characters from <laughs> FR lore. And frankly, just D and D lore mm-hmm. into the scene as you possibly can. Oh my god, that's like the perfect assignment for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's characters from from things that you know you remember from the eighties to yeah. uh, the old, streaming yeah. shows of today. Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate from the old Baldur's Gate video games and other FR themed video games. There's uh, there's even some surprise non FR characters stuffed in there. Morton Kanan's in there, for instance. Yeah. Um, at least one real world person. Where's Morda Cannon there. from? Greyhawk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but he's friends with Elminster and has visited FR from time to time, so he's more than welcome at the Awning Portal. Nice. Yeah. That is cool. That's a really fun thing that you can uh, uh, really so, just spend an yes. afternoon with. Right. Like, oh, who is yeah. that? Oh, who is yeah. that? Yeah, a lot of people get the obvious ones like Dritz and Guinevar, but there are a bunch oh, of FR from extended FR lore characters embedded in there too where. 
you'll be like, okay, I got to go to Wikipedia. <laughs> the yawning portal is pet friendly. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. That's important. That yeah. is important. Well, I mean, People but, with familiars. Yeah. Uh, Shelly's Hangout or Shelly's Doom, would that be pet friendly as well? Oh, yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. it might just be a watering hole for familiars. Ooh. No people. I like that. Yeah. What do familiars drink? Anything they want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how do the lords of Waterdeep factor into this story? Do they? We keep them as far away from this story as possible. They have, okay. Mostly because... They're just figureheads anyway. Mostly, really? Yeah, what do they most, really do? Mostly because <laughs> they're, they're best kept in the shadows. If you, d- if you diminish their mystery, they become a bit you know, pedestrian. So we, we keep them mysterious. Because, this, because Waterdeep Dragon Heist is designed for first to fifth level characters, we don't expect low level characters to be rubbing shoulders with these individuals. The lords. Um, yeah, so they are they are kept masked and hidden. Okay, That's I'm still going to play Lords of Waterdeep, the right. board game. Yes, while this storyline is happening. Well, there's a lot of the locations <laughs> uh, <laughs> that are in there uh, that yeah. you can recognize from yeah. Waterdeep, right? And as well as many of the quests and themes and things in there are all stuff that yeah. is is part of this book, which is cool. Yeah. We mostly focus on the things that we know you will interact with at that level, which is. Uh, the city watch, the city guard, the guilds, and a few scattered nobles. Oh. Yeah, so talk a little bit about the guilds, because I think that is an important aspect of how the cities run, right? Yeah. Um, We've talked a little bit about this on Lore, you should know, but the idea is basically that the power groups in in Waterdeep are basically the masked lords and the open lord, who are essentially the government. Then there is the military, which is the city guard and the city watch, the soldiers and the police, basically. That's the distinction there. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the nobles, who are the money. They bring the money into the city. And then you've got the guilds, and they basically oversee all of the profession, professional work in the city. So if you go to a baker, mm-hmm. that baker is probably a member of the baker's guild. Okay. And so that baker pays money to the guild to be a member, and the guild allows that baker essentially to run their business, get their ingredients on time, uh, make sure that they never run out of flour and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they'll help promote the baker's business. That's awesome. It, it is. It's a, the, the, guilds, <laughs> the guilds are there to sort of stabilize the economy of the city and protect the businesses in the city. Now, you can be a baker who's not part of the Baker's Guild, but the baker guild, Baker's Guild won't like you very much, and it might be very hard for you to get the kinds of ingredients you need to make yes. the things that you want to make. So think about that. So you have to pay a dues to be part of the guild. Yes. Imagine, like and if you, want, if you want to run a tavern, you probably want to make good with the, the, dis, the, um, the Brewers, Distillers, and Vintners Guild so well, that you get, your, like you get anyway, all the best regardless. spirits. <laughs> of course. <laughs> If you want to be an innkeeper, you probably want to be a member of the Fellowship of Innkeepers um, Guild, and you'll be well treated by them. So I'm there's sure. like a guild for there. Are, there are everything? lots and lots of guilds, not just a yes. hospitality guild. Correct. Oh, My boy. favorite guild is the Dung Sweepers Guild. The Dung, <laughs> the dung Sweepers Guild is a, guild a real too? thing. Yes, and and oh. they do. They obviously do a good job because Waterdeep is a clean city. It looked very nice from those pictures. By they're, and large, they're professionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are places in, the, in Waterdeep that they don't frequent. So they're kind of dirty and scuzzy, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good guild. I think I've, I like the idea of there being like a cleanup crew, like yeah. wherever the yep. adventurers mm-hmm. mess up, or even if you know, there's the the, the strife between the Xanathar and yeah. and and uh, 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 the uh, Zentarum. That it's the dung sweepers who come in and yeah, 
you know, make it all okay afterwards. So we have a master table of all the guilds in Dragon Heist so that the DM knows what they are. Are they all run like similar? Like there's a guild master and then mm-hmm. like a guild board? Yeah, basically. Um, we don't go too far down the rabbit hole of defining who the members of the guild are. Mm-hmm. We, because the product talks about you running a business, a couple guild members are actually um, called out and identified. Nice. Uh, so, as examples of what you of the type of person who typically is a member of this guild and what they can help you or offer you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of uh, uh, you know visual reference in this book for. Uh, characters which i really liked like obviously the, the villains that we've mentioned the the urchins yeah uh but there's just a lot of like just people uh that as you can a big see. city would yeah have. yeah 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 so what was it like you know talking about those the, uh, getting those portraits and, and and that kind of artwork together for this um well the portraits are one of the fa- my favorite kinds of things to commission um because uh the writers chris <laughs> particularly um they have so so much life to them to the to these characters. They've already fleshed them out in their in their minds, and so it's just making sure that the artist um, gets that that interesting kernel mm. and and is able to show it, um, and then letting them go to town on it. You know, there yeah. are um, a, a number of artists that I always go to for those kind of uh, portrait people um, that. They add to the story mm, um, yeah. with the visuals that they they bring to it. So um, it's always fun and, and surprising sometimes to see um, where it leads us. That's cool. Who yeah, did some, the, who sometimes. Did the, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to ask about one photo, one image that's basically seared on my retina. Oh, I is, hope I remember. Is the uh, Zardoz Zord? Oh, uh, oh that, <laughs> yeah. Good lord. <laughs> it is. It's going to be forever uh, I think talked about uh, yes. uh, so yeah who did that that um, was, such that a was great... Scott Murphy is this the shirtless Scott... dude yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. that was Scott Murphy and um, he did a fantastic job with it it is not in the book what it's not it is not in the book it's just on your retina it's, it's just, just on my retina oh yes. did it just why there just no wasn't room. yeah there's always, uh, There's always yeah, we'll find a spot there are often casualties. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we will we will uh, post oh it far and wide God. because I think it's, it's you know it's, what's going to happen. What's that, Nathan? Your oh, head no. is going to end up on that box. There's going to be some Photoshop. <laughs> He's going to Photoshop you. It's going to be good. That's a perfect. If there's candidate. any justice in the world, I mean, I'm <laughs> actually going to suggest that to him right after yeah. this. Podcast. I'm starting to realize that a lot of those images are suggestions from uh, from a. <laughs> what do you think we talk about in our one-on-one meetings? <laughs> <laughs> this all makes sense. They're not always just playing Dungeon Mayhem. No, no, but most of the time. No. Uh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, lo- I loved how you brought the city to life, uh, both in the writing and how uh, uh, visually I think people will get an understanding of what uh, a big city in Faerun in general looks like, but more specifically, Waterdeep, it looks really, really cool. Uh, and I think people are going to be using those as, you know, I mean, you know, old school, showing off the book and letting people see, like, you know, this is what this looks like, this is this area, especially the two-color pages spreads that we were just going through yeah. uh, are just transport people into that world very easily, and I think that's, that's really cool. It's always a treat when the marketing pieces um, fit in with what what we're doing in the book. Um, and yeah. thankfully, Chris made that happen. 
Something else we have in this book that we haven't done in an adventure yet for fifth edition is we have an entire section of the book that's basically like a tourist's guide. Mm. And so that's really the part of the book where we got to show off through art a lot of the city and its structures and its, its features. And how do you pronounce that section? Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's called Volos in Caridian. In Caridian. Yeah. In Caridian. It's and, incredible. Uh, <laughs> in Caridian is sort of how it's spelled. Yes, that's why we were all confused. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? What does in Caridian it, mean? It's just a, it's like a, like a, a word. <laughs> um, it's, it's Volo's complete guide to. So makes sense. Uh, it's it's his take. Everything that interests him. It's He's his like take the Rick on Steves of water. Yeah, like this yeah. is his. This, this is his take on the city. Um, like a lonely planet, guy. right? And it's all sort of written in his voice. But then all the illustrations in the section are all full color illustrations that Kate commissioned. That are designed to show off the things he's talking about, like the drays mm. and the coaches of Waterdeep, which are kind of weird. Um, some of them look like hansoms from Victorian England, but others look like double-decker buses. Mm-hmm. Uh, these horse-drawn buses, essentially, that huh. are unique to Waterdeep. Those had to be illustrated. We had some concept art of them, but then Kate rendered a final finished piece that basically runs across the bottom of two pages. And oh, that neat. was yeah. part of was the lore? Really these coaches? Yes, yes. Okay. But we had never, ever shown them huh. ever in art before. Um, so, the, and I remember in the concept phase, we actually had trouble with them. Like, we never really, we had trouble landing on a design that we liked. That made sense. Yeah. 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 Until yeah. we saw the, yeah. fi- the final piece that, um, I can't remember who's the artist um, who did that. That was Claudio Posas. Thank you. Oh, Claudio. He's yeah. been on Dragon Talk. Yeah. Awesome. Nailed Good it. shout out for, yeah. for Claudio. Yeah. He's yeah. man of many talents. Yep. Very much yeah. so. And Very then cool. we had tricky pieces like, hey, we want to do this half-page illustration of one of the walking statues of Waterdeep. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, it's 90 feet tall, and you have to show it all, and we want some people in the foreground for scale. Oh. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. and how do you wrestle with that, Kate? <laughs> um, Yeah, how do you do that? Well, we have two, two images with the walking statues we in do. it. We do. And... Um, and one, the camera is up on the second, third, fourth floor of, uh, of a building. And the other one, you're down on the streets with kind of a dizzying uh, view. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. That so. is cool. Yeah, yeah we, we touched on using the, the, the walking statues during the stream any eyes, but just having a foot. That was the only thing I that know. we could fit in the studio. <laughs> and that worked well. It worked well. The statues well. are like that size. They're that size. Yeah. In Waterdeep. In Waterdeep. And they walk around. Not anymore. Uh, so they the stopped. They stopped walking around after the spell plague. Okay. Uh, but now that they're sort of permanent features of, the, so this is actually I was going to talk this, about these in the lore you should know. Oh, oh okay. Well, great. We'll do, so we can do that for we sure. We can save that. But long story short, they they can walk around, and that's that's not necessarily a good thing. No, I don't think it would ever be a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> in a crowded city. Yeah. That would be that foot? No. I'd love yeah. seeing the, the concept artwork of, of the buildings that were built around these mm-hmm. now laying down statues yes. and stuff. Yes. That was uh, yes. very evocative. Mm-hmm. So really cool. Yeah. Maybe one day those will walk yeah. again more often. Yes. But that but one those illustrations in particular are two of my favorites because they A, they show off the city really, really well. Yeah. But they're also very dramatic. 
this cool. is not yeah. this is not your typical medieval city. As soon as you see those illustrations, you realize that. Yeah, that was the thing that set it apart for sure. Like it's not just London. This is right. this is Waterdeep. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, very cool, awesome. Well, people will be able to dig in to this book uh, September seventh. Uh, in game stores and uh, uh, September 18th yeah. everywhere after that so uh, they will be able to not too uh, far away now know, it's very soon yep. very soon it's going to be cool I can't wait yep. uh, any other any other parting words before uh, we, we, we close the book on the artwork here of Dragon Heist I guess not <laughs> I guess not alright yeah dun dun yeah. dun 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 before you know it, we'll be showing off the artwork for Catacomb uh, that's true. Yes, yes, yes which was yes. Our, our code name for yes. uh, for for. We Dungeon do have one piece from Catacomb. Oh, um, do we have the one piece? Did you tie, to Pelham? a tie-in piece yeah. of cool. showing yeah. showing see. our three favorite um, urchins in the Yawning Portal Tavern. Well, oh no! Way. Well I, the it's the first portal. time I've seen this art yes. too. Yeah, so that is cool. They're headed down yeah. to uh, Undermountain. Yeah, God's help them. To see what uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's the wall of the yawning portal that's that goes right. down in. Yeah, yeah that's the wall. And they're, they're sort of playing on the the no. device that is used to lower adventures down inside it. This was actually Jeremy Crawford's idea. Mm-hmm. He wanted uh, an illustration that bridged the two books, and so I here like it is. that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So this well just exists there in the. Middle of a bar? So it's called the Yawning Portal because in the middle the of the tap room, it's got this big giant I mean, it doesn't door very to protected. Under Mountain. It's not. It's so not at all. Could you just accidentally fall in it? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, you're at a tavern. It right. seems very likely that it's possible. It's <laughs> you possible. might be drunk. It's Woo! possible. You, you could just get. fall down in it, in which case, too bad. Welcome to Under Mountain the hard way. You, oh. just, you just fell 140 feet down into this hole. So That's uh, a lot of D6s. Yeah, Do we the, have enough D6s? The, <laughs> the, the, the hole wasn't... Uh, it was there before the tavern. Dernan, the proprietor of the tavern, built the tavern on the hole so that he could basically monopolize the one known entrance to Undermountain. Oh, wow. Smart guy. He's a very smart, smart customer. If, there's, smart if that's cat. the only Cookie. known entrance, yeah. that's the only known exit. Yes. Now, there are other entrances to Undermountain and there are other exits to Undermountain, but most people don't know where they are. And they're not so easy to find. So Dernan has sort of, he's squatting on this one. And Good he charges time. adventurers to lower themselves down into it. Um, and he charges them to pull them back out. Oh, I yeah. That's a good business to be Pretty in good right gig. there. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Well, uh, for those of you who are listening in, in podcast land, you didn't get to see these visuals, so go ahead and watch these on uh, twitch.tv slash dnd uh, to get exactly what we're talking about, but we'll release uh, some of these images. Probably not the Dungeon of the Mad Mage one. You might, that might be uh, one we leave uh, to you to discover on the videos. Uh, but yeah, that Dungeon of the Mad Mage comes out November 2nd, uh, so you'll be able to check that out. That's also not that far away, really. I know. So no. soon. Yes. Uh, thank you guys for, for dropping in and talking uh, about this book. I can't yeah. wait for, for more love, people to get it. I love learning the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Me the too. words and the art. Also, his voice is really mesmerizing. I know. Like, listening to I you talk. Relaxed. And I'm, I'm really listening, but then, then I'm kind of like, yeah. Swinging back and forth, and I'm like, no, no, listen yeah. to the words. Oh, no. Don't listen You're to the cadence. Chris Perkins ASMR. Uh, <laughs> I was we'll just be doing it soon. That. I just saw there's <laughs> Netflix has like this BuzzFeed things. It's like kind of like Laura, you should nor no nor nor Laura, you should snore. Nor. Laura, you should know. <laughs> Laura, you but should like, snore. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes directly into your yeah. brain. I just did one on A A S M. 
I get all the, you know. It's a thing. It? A- yeah, ASMR. ASMR. Yeah. And you could totally be, you could be making videos on YouTube. There we go. Just talking. And then maybe you wouldn't he, have to work and then weekends. Like, that, and then like <laughs> touching. <laughs> or maybe you will only work weekends. I like this plan. Yeah. You know what? We should work that into this podcast. Like just touching little pieces of fabric. <laughs> <laughs> That's Caref- what they do. Careful it's what you ask for. Creepy. <laughs> it's, it's weird very, and creepy. And uh, uh, But a lot of people enjoy it. So totally it's fascinating. not necessarily bad. No. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everybody. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> I love speaking to uh, the folks making our books. You know, like yeah. Chris Perkins yeah. and Kate Irwin, uh, they have the special expertise that uh, I think we only have in this building. It's so great. They are really good at their jobs. Yeah. And they sit really close to us. And yet I don't even know half the things that they do in their day to day. Right. So I love having them. We get it all through osmosis, uh, yes. just having their creativity uh, flow through you. And usually when I talk to Kate, it's about the Real Housewives. And we don't really talk about, like, oh, how's work? She yeah. and I have been talking about uh, uh, So You Think You Can Dance. Oh, uh, really? Right, which is a much better show and one that you should pay attention no, to. actually it's not. Um, you have than, not seen The Real Housewives of New York Reunion Part 1. I have obviously. not, nor have I seen Bachelor in Paradise, but my oh. wife is watching it now. She is? And I basically put on headphones and crank up I don't think there are headphones that can tune that out. It's bad. It's really bad, like even for me bad. It, it's like like nails on a chalkboard level of the, the Xanathar uh, screeching uh, at the highest levels. Even if I didn't only watch that show when I'm in the gym on the treadmill, I would still feel like I needed a shower after I watched it. <laughs> it's so icky. Which is the complete opposite of uh, uh, the all the pleasurable feelings we get about about, uh, talking about Dungeons and Dragons right. stories, yes, like it, there's just so much more like uh, heroism, more like a bubble bath feeling. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's a it's palate relaxing. cleanser. Yeah, it's Wait. fresh smelling. Wait, you don't use bubble bath to clean your palate? That's not what you do. Mm, mm. Tasty. <laughs> it's so soapy. Yeah, so good. Did you ever have your mouth washed out with soap? I have you were actually. Bad? Yeah. Really? Yeah, many times. One time, my mom used uh, dishwasher to like soap, <laughs> like like Joy. Because we I couldn't find any soap anywhere, like it's any joy. Yeah, exactly. she just <laughs> right, right in there. <laughs> I think it was even sillier, and she like put it on her hand and then put it in my mouth. Ew. Like it was just stupid. Uh, and that's why I play Dungeons and Dragons. Is is that why you got joyed in the mouth? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she found your dice. Uh, I don't remember. I thought I probably, you just probably said, a bad said word. hell. Yeah, probably. Mm. Yeah, Aww, something like that. Tito. I know, I know. I always got threatened with the soap. I don't think it ever happened. That was like with my uh, my my wife who got threatened with the spoon, but nothing ever oh, happened. Oh, the spoon I got. Yeah. I got the spoon. You got the spoon? Oh, my God, spoons were broken over me, <laughs> which always made me laugh because, like, I know my mom was, like, oh, like, even more pissed off. I'm like, oh, my spoon. You broke my favorite you spoon. You broke my spoon. And then she butt. had to go buy more spoons. And then the thought of, like, when she was at the store <laughs> buying more wooden spoons, did it flash back to her like, oh, yeah, I totally broke this over my daughter's shoulder blade the other night. <laughs> We're like, whatever. We're basically podcasting from like a bygone era at this point. You can't do that anymore. You really can't. And that, I wouldn't even consider well, it. Well, that's the thing. Like, I could not imagine ever hitting Quim. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry even thinking about it. Exactly. It's like I have, you know, way more powerful weapons like guilt and... Yeah, uh, taking away the iPad. Exactly. 
which is actually more of a punishment for me, as it turns out. So was the spoon. It was a punishment. Yeah, well, my mom always was like, it, it hurt me more than it hurt oh, you. Is, like, that is literally not true. That is the opposite <laughs> of truth. Uh, and thank you for that. Uh, uh, all right. So uh, we're going to work through all these problems through our next D&D session. I think so. Uh, maybe that's why uh, uh, Bart went and wanted to save the kids in Aww. the Adamantine Chef adventure we were playing so much. You two, both of you, were like, we got to save them. I know. Well, they're in a kitchen where there's lots of wooden spoons. Exactly. <laughs> it, it was calling up all those memories. Flashback. Oh, man. Uh, oh. So everybody should uh, pay attention to Waterdeep Dragon Heist coming yes. out uh, September 7th in those game stores. And those little cute children. And those little cute the, children. What do they call them? The ragamuffins, ragamuffins. is how it was That's referred right. to in that uh, piece really of art. But I think street urchins is how we kind of talk to them uh, uh, throughout the book. Um, but it'll be available everywhere September 18th. I can't wait for this story. It's one of my favorites that uh, D&D has produced here in 5th edition just because of... I just like cities. I like I like I urban know, adventures. I, yeah. I like it. I like it too. Yeah, there's so many threads that you can pull upon. Uh, so uh, I, I'm really excited about that. And make sure that uh, all of your characters who are parents have access to wooden spoons uh, <laughs> throughout. Wizards, throw away your staffs. <laughs> carry a wooden spoon. I like it. Speak softly. And carry a wooden spoon. How can people But get, don't hit anyone with it. How can people get in touch with you and ask you all about your <gasps> my, terrible childhood? Oh, my God. I don't know if I want that now. <laughs> Uh, at Twitter at Shelly Moo uh, or find out more about Avalon Hill and what we've got cooking at Avalon Hill 2 the number 2 get it cooking cooking it's bringing the, it right oh back God, into the spoons again it's really again. happening <laughs> I'm going to call my mom <laughs> I am not going to be calling my mom. Uh, you can reach out to me uh, at Greg Tito. Uh, I'm also on the Instagram at Greg underscore Tito. But if you want to find out everything about what's happening in these world of D&D, go to DungeonsandDragons.com uh, or check out Dragon Plus on your yes, phones. Uh, or you can do uh, it right now. On the web at DragonMag.com. And uh, the kids issue... Uh, details all about what's happening with the ragamuffins as well as ways to use D&D in education. Uh, uh, there's an interview with uh, uh, Ethan Schoonauer, uh, who we want to get on this Finally. podcast at some point. Uh, yeah, there's lots of great stuff in there. So uh, delve through all the amazing content. I'm really impressed with all of what's up there. It's I love good it. stuff. All right. Good job. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? Oh, hey, uh, do you see yeah. this rock? I'm just going to pick it up. Wait. Oh, God. No! Oh, 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 oh